Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. There is kind of a language that college football fans use, especially those of us here in the South, kind of the SEC country footprint, that there are certain things that we say and everybody just knows what we mean. There are, there are I guess it's the lexicon, I guess that's the word I'm looking for here. There are words, phrases that entered the lexicon, and for the most part, pretty plugged in college football fans are very aware of the meaning and the context of that within the you know larger college football conversation. An example of one of those is the phrase rat poison. It's one of those things that if you know somebody says rat poison, pretty much anybody who follows college football, for the most part, kind of knows what that is. It was made famous as a phrase by Nick Saban. I think you have to go back to 2017 for this. Some of the years kind of run you know together after a while, but Nick Saban not happy, feeling like the media was too complimentary of his team, and he had a very descriptive way of describing, I guess that's what descriptive means, but you get the point that I'm trying to make here. He had a very interesting way of describing exactly what he was reminded of with the way the media talked about his team, and it became you know, forever etched in our minds after Saban said it. Let's go back to 2017 to hear this. I'm trying to get our players to listen to me instead of listening to you guys. You know, all that stuff you write about how good we are and all that stuff they hear on ESPN – It's like poison. You know what I mean? It's like taking poison, like rat poison. All right. So I'm I'm asking them, are you going to listen to me? Are you going to listen to these guys about how good you are? So I think obviously people remember that, you know, the rat poison thing. And ever since then, it's like anything that's too complimentary, anything that's that's too positive about a team going into a game. Nick Saban says it's dangerous. People have a tendency to follow Saban's lead on something like this. And so, Nobody wants to hear too much good stuff about their team. In fact, on sometimes on this show, especially during the offseason, I'll kind of highlight some of what the national media might be saying, who they're hyping on Georgia's roster, who they're touting. And I almost always get a, a few responses back to the tune of rat poison like Nick Saban talked about there. That's just kind of an idea that exists. So if we all agree on that and we stipulate that off the top here, then I think it seems pretty obvious that Shane Beamer gave a heavy dose of rat poison to Georgia during his weekly press conference this week there in Columbia. Now, here's a couple things you got to understand. That the actual length of what Beamer says in this is like three minutes long. It was very, very long and very intense in terms of the praise. In the name of brevity and kind of just it's hard to play a three minute clip. People kinda of, you kinda of lose people when you play something that long. I'm not gonna play the entire thing. I have shortened it down though to get the real sense and the essence of the rat poison that Shane Beamer tossed away the Georgia Bulldogs leading into the game on Saturday. He believes this is a Georgia team unlike any other that has come through the program. Shane Beamer explaining why right now. Take a listen to this. You guys know better than me. You've, many of you have followed SEC football longer than I have, but he may have, probably does have, the most talented football team in the history of Georgia football. And that's not an embellishment and coach speak and, and all of that. When you look at uh, from top to bottom, uh, uh, the 11 that start on offense, the 11 that start on defense, all of their special teams units, the depth they have, uh, the size, the physicality, the speed they have. Wow. Uh, there is a reason they were picked to win the SEC East 
I don't know of a more talented team ever to play uh, at Georgia. They are really, really good. The hype for them is real, and we're excited to go play. So in the midst of that, the part you didn't hear was Beamer making comparisons to like Matthew Stafford and the team that he was a coach for going back to 2017 that had Roquan Smith. Like He mentions all the big names and says, but this Georgia team is more talented than any of them are. Now, let me just say this real quick, and then I'll kind of you know, say something different. There's a part of me that wishes I had enough time today to actually get into this as much as I want to, because what Beamer says there, we can measure this stuff, right? Player ratings, recruiting, star rankings, things like that. And, you know, you may have you know, some squabbles with some of that every now and then. But, but generally speaking, that's a pretty good way to, to measure talent. And just objectively true, this is the most talented team. Uh, of all time now in terms of what that talent becomes in the football field that's a slightly different conversation but in terms of just the measurable talent where these guys were rated when they joined the Georgia program there has never been a more talented team than George at Georgia than this right here even certain guys that emerge as big time stars in the field that's notwithstanding but across the board the depth of the roster never been more talented than is right now and what I wish we had more time to do, and honestly, during the offseason, I hope that I'll come back and circle back to this topic again. Maybe we'll even use the Shane Beamer quote here as, as a way to examine this. What I hope we'll come back and look at at some point in time is, I wonder if a Georgia team will ever be on paper measurably more talented in the future than this one is right now. I mean, think about all the five stars that are on Georgia's current roster, and think about the five stars on this current roster that Georgia does stand to lose at the end of the season. You know, George Pickens off the offense. Maybe a guy like Adam Anderson off the defense. It's possible that N'Kobe Dean will leave and go on. I mean, you can kind of think of some of those five-star guys. They might not all leave at the end of the season. There are a lot of, you know, five-star junior-type players here, you know, guys who are a little older in that kind of five-star variety that Georgia could lose off this year's roster. And you wonder, will there ever be this big a collection of five-stars on a Georgia roster at one time the way there is right now? Now, you may not need quite this many five-stars to win a national championship. You know, you you know there is such a thing as as, as you know slightly less talent still equaling you know national championship success. We see that in recent years in college football, but it, it's just objectively, measurably true. This is the most talented Georgia team up to this point, and you kind of wonder will there ever be a team in the smart era on paper as measurably talented as this one currently is? I think that actually is an interesting conversation. Unfortunately, we don't have time to get into that here today. What we will focus though on is the fact that most of you around here, and you kind of know as. We sit off the very top here. Nick Saban calls this rat poison, and Kirby Smart kind of cut from the same cloth as Nick Saban. I think it's probably not that big of a surprise to 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 admit that Kirby Smart does not like this kind of stuff. Kirby Smart does not like this kind of what kind of almost sounds like overpraise of a team. I mean, it's one thing to say I've never seen a talented team uh, at, 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 you know like this at Georgia. This is the most talented Georgia team I've seen. It's one thing to say that. It's another thing, as Beamer did during his press conference this week, to go on and on about it, minute after minute after minute. I mean, that's, you know, that, that's a completely different thing all the way around there when you're talking about just really belaboring that point all the way. Connor Riley from DogNation.com actually wrote about this this morning there as well, kind of pointing out that when Gus Malzahn did the same thing last year, um, Gribby Smart didn't like that very much. And I think that's actually a, you know a, a pretty good point, that, that Smart has had a problem when coaches have kind of said things in the past that are somewhat similar. I don't think he liked what Beamer said, if I had to guess. I don't think he liked what Beamer said earlier this week. Smart did respond back to this 
on the SEC coaches teleconference yesterday. I wasn't a part of that to record it. I'll have to read it to you. Dog Nation had this quote. I haven't paid attention to him, meaning Shane Beamer. He's not the first to say that. They say that every year, so it's always nice for those guys to be able to say that when they are saying that about the next team they play, too. Uh, that's Kirby Smart. You can read more about that at dognation.com. What he's saying is, is that, okay, they call us the most talented team, but they'll also say that about the next team they're playing there as well. Smart insinuated something similar about Gus Malzahn a year ago, which I think is probably a, a pretty interesting point. But nonetheless, I think deep down, Smart probably doesn't you know, necessarily like these things. I think Shane Beamer's obviously trying to give respect to his opponent, but there's a degree to which that probably uh, annoys Smart there a little bit. With that in mind, let me kind of shift gears to something slightly different, but kind of in that same vein. I have been kind of half serious and half joking all week that I actually think that Georgia, even though they're like a 31-point favorite, and that's a very hard number to cover. That's a hard spread to cover. It's just hard to beat a SEC opponent by more than 30 points, predicting to do so, and then going out there and doing that. I have said um, on, on this week's show, though, that I think that Georgia actually probably comes into this game in a pretty good spot. Then in a roundabout way, I think there's a good bit of motivation for Georgia. Not one big thing but a lot of little things that might add up together. And we've kind of talked about some of these things, and we've kind of used the movie from the 80s that I love. A lot of you know the new Netflix series or the used to be on YouTube uh, series, Cobra Kai. I think of Cobra Kai as the bad guys from the original Karate Kid movie going back to, what, 1984, I think that came out. Uh, I always liked the bad guys in movies like this, and I always really liked the Cobra Kai dojo. Uh, their, their kind of catchphrase, their, their, you know, um, their mission statement, whatever you want to, I think it was a Appropriate, obviously, for them back then, but probably it may be appropriate for Georgia on Saturday, too. Here's a quick reminder of it. What is that So I've said that I think that Georgia shows no mercy on South Carolina on Saturday. Shane Beamer's rat poison, does that add to that? Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. We talked about the the presence of an Oscar Delp here, considering Georgia, considering South Carolina. Kirby Smart's not going to let Beamer get over on him when it comes to a in-state Georgia recruit like Delp. They're obviously going to showcase uh, Brock Bowers and the, and the Georgia offense in a big way. I think that keeps you a little bit motivated to score points. We talked yesterday about the presence of Will Muschamp. As much as Smart downplays that, the idea you know, is still that he and Smart are good friends. Muschamp's now working at Georgia. Nobody likes to be fired. If you have a chance to stick it to your ex-employer, everybody wants to do that. You know, that that's not a football coach thing. That's a human being thing, and uh, Muschamp is human. Obviously, he'd want to stick it to South Carolina if he could. Smart's not going to acknowledge it, but if you're Muschamp's friend, you want to help your friend stick it to his old employer. I think there's a little bit of motivation there for that on Saturday. And I also think there's a little bit of motivation here when it comes to this. The last time South Carolina came to Athens, they did win the game. And they tore up the hedges when it was over with. And there's all kinds of photos and images associated with all of that. That's that's just kind of a thing that that happened. And I mentioned this during our comment section on video yesterday, and some people kind of pointed out would be a, it's somewhat illogical that Georgia would use Muschamp as motivation to go out there and win for him but also be motivated by the 2019 loss, a game that Will Muschamp participated in on the other side and did not seem to have a problem with his players at that time for the Gamecocks tearing up the hedges at his alma mater, Georgia. Totally acknowledge that. But here's the thing about college football. Logic is sometimes not a big part of the overall equation because the honest truth is most of the Georgia players, they didn't play in the 2019 game. They didn't watch it on TV either. 
They really don't know what happened in that 2019 Georgia-South Carolina game. So all they know about it is whatever the Georgia coaches tell them about it, or the Georgia staffers, the strength and conditioning coach, Scott Sinclair, or whoever's screaming in their ear, hey, the last time this team came in here, big underdog, they surprised Georgia, and they uh, tore up the stadium when the game was done. You don't think Georgia players are hearing about that this week? And it's not a big thing because – if it didn't happen to them, it doesn't matter all that much. But when you talk about a lot of little things adding up to be something, I think it probably presents a mindset for Georgia on Saturday that kind of has a little no mercy vibe to it, as we said before. Now, in fairness, effort at full disclosure, Smart was asked about the 2019 game on Saturday, or he was asked about it earlier this week about what happened and what an impact that might have on Saturday's game. And for what it's worth, we'll let you hear him in his own words. He totally downplayed the idea that it's any part of the discussion whatsoever. This is Kirby Smart. That was brought up some last year. I think it was more relevant last year. Uh, a lot more similarities in their team last year and their staff, uh, with the exception of you know Will being gone. But you know what happened the last time they were here was really about us, not about them. And uh, it's always going to be about what we do and how we execute. And we're trying to do that at the highest level. And uh, whatever we can do this weekend practice to be able to execute at a high level, that's what I want to focus on, not the other. So I'm reminded of something my friend Mike Johnson, the former Alabama All-American, who I used to do SEC Country Live with years past, what he would say about this, having played for Nick Saban at a time when Kirby Smart was also working for Nick Saban in Alabama. And what was said back then was, is that when it came to motivational ploys and what this team did to a year ago or what so-and-so said, that the coaching staff never said that, right? That was not something that 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 Nick Saban talked about. That was not something that, that Kirby Smart would have talked about. That was not something that the coaches would have talked about. But he said, you better believe, at the time, Scott Cochran was the strength and conditioning coach, that he was always talking about that kind of stuff and always taping stuff on the walls and motivation and here's what so-and-so said about you and here's whatever else. I mean – that was always a thing that was remembered and reminded of. And so I think it's the same thing for Georgia right now. Even if it's somewhat illogical to be mad about a 2019 game that Will Muschamp participated in now works for Georgia, it's still the kind of thing that in a little way can be used by not the head coach, not your coordinators, but staffers, strength and conditioning, things like that, of just one little extra piece of edge to give Georgia the mindset that it needs to go out there and really put its foot on the gas and maybe a foot on the throat of the Gamecocks there on Saturday. That's at least my theory, and I've been trying to make my case about why that might be true so far this week. And, of course, I love your feedback and all that there as well. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Meriwether and Tharp, and glad to have you with us. No matter how you get to us, video starting at 945 in the morning for our first and 15 on dognation.com and, of course, uh, the Dog Nation app. We love being there on those platforms each and every day, and it's been fun to watch so many of you gravitate to that. Of course, a lot of you still like watching on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, or Twitch, and we're happy about that too. All the podcast platforms as well, Apple, Spotify, everything else, posting the show at dognation.com, giving you a chance to share your comments there as part of our podcast cooldown. At the end of the show, radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960RF. Man, a lot of ways to catch the show. Glad you're catching us however you are. And a really big thanks to our friends at Meriwether and Tharp for making it all possible. You know, Meriwether and Tharp is your source for Georgia divorce. And what that means for me is one of the most scary and confusing things a person can go through to lean on a resource with expertise. I just think it makes the entire process more easily endured. And I think that's a really important thing because the law can be complicated, right? And 
it's not an emotion neutral experience. It conjures up a lot of feelings inside of you. And that's why you want to be with someone who not only understands the law, but understands the feelings that this experience produces for so many people. Then that's what Meriwether and Tharp can do. You can find them online at the Atlanta divorce team.com and you can judge them there about what it's going to be like to develop a personal relationship with them where they're sitting down with you and they're talking about the all the options you have available. What really makes the most sense for you, what makes the most sense for your family and the future you're trying to build for yourself. Meriwether and Tharp takes that really, really seriously. And I would not recommend them on this show if I didn't have great confidence that they were taking care of my audience because my audience means a lot to me. In fact, I have heard from so many of you can attest to what Meriwether and Tharp does for you, the care they take in every case, because while you know the law obviously applies to everyone, specifics uh, of situations can be unique to you, and they understand all of that. So please find them online, theatlantadivorceteam.com, theatlantadivorceteam.com. Meriwether and Tharp is your source for Georgia divorce, and I am thankful to have them as a part of our program today. They make all of this possible, and that's a really good thing. We're going to get Terrence Edwards coming up in a moment. We'll hear from Terrence on the current state of the Georgia offense, what he saw from Stetson Bennett on Saturday, what he expects to see a quarterback here this Saturday, the young wide receivers that seem to really blossom in the passing game a week ago with Bennett at the helm. We'll do a lot of that with Stets, uh, with uh, with Terrence Edwards here coming up in just a moment. Before that, though, I do want to take a moment to go around the doghouse. And it's presented today by our friends at ServePro. And obviously one of the things that we have talked about uh, a lot the last couple of days is my concern that, you know, until JT Daniels is back playing and playing well, appearing to be fully healthy, I'm just going to be really skeptical of everything else that's out there. And I just think this is a story that's worth Georgia fans' attention. Not because I know that it's heading to somewhere bad or even because I necessarily assume it's heading somewhere bad, but I'm I'm just going to take any kind of, oh, it's not that big of a deal, he's fine, could have played on Saturday, had they were playing, playing blah, blah, blah. I'm just going to take all of that with a grain of salt, and my advice is for you to do the same thing. Now, Smart was asked Wednesday, SEC coaches teleconference, about what it was going to take to get Daniels back on the field. I think that Smart said something pretty important there, and this is the thing I think you got to understand when you start thinking about you know, this Saturday's game. Frankly, I don't expect JT Daniels to play. Maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised, but I don't expect him to. But you start thinking about future weeks, whether it's road game at Vanderbilt, then games against – you know, possibly tougher than you might have assumed opponents like uh, Arkansas and Auburn to start the month of October. What's it going to take to get Daniels back there in those games? I thought Smart gave us a really interesting insight, a window into that uh, yesterday. Let me read you the quote here because I said before I don't have audio from the teleconference. But Smart, you can read the story Dog Nation says about JT Daniels. I think he's feeling much better. It's whether he's 100% throwing the ball downfield in the pocket. That's the key ingredient there. In other words, that he's getting better, he's getting healthier. Obviously, we know the oblique is painful. It creates a scenario where throwing the ball is difficult. And he says, you know, is he is he 100% so that he can make the throws that he needs to make there in a game? That's the thing that's always mattering to me. That's why Daniel's presence on the field would not necessarily be the end of this discussion for me. It's are you pain-free enough to make the throws that you need to make? And I don't have any kind of in, extra insight into Daniel's health situation to say that he is or he or he isn't, but that's what it kind of comes down to here. 
that a that a 85% version, you just want to kind of pull a you know a percentage out of the air, an 85% version of JT Daniels, even as a you know, like a potential Heisman candidate, all that kind of stuff, 85% of JT Daniels might not be as much as you need for some of the games that really matter. You want him to be pain-free enough that he's capable of making all the throws. That's why the rest that he's getting right now really matters. And the fact that he needs that rest is not an insignificant story. As I said yesterday, this is not the NBA where there's load management. There are 82 regular season college, you know, NBA games. There's only 12 regular season college football games. You're not voluntarily taking any of those off. The fact that, that Daniels isn't currently playing, didn't play Saturday, I don't expect him to play this Saturday, that's not insignificant. And him getting healthy enough so the full array of his throwing potential is available to the Georgia offense, that's a very important story going forward. We will continue to monitor it closely. I can promise you that. That's Around the Doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at ServPro. And one of the things we understand around here, it's what we talk about Around the Doghouse, is that your house, your home, the place that you live, is not only the most important asset you have, but there's also a big emotional connection that you have to that too. And one of the most emotionally damaging things you can experience is some sort of damage to your home. And oftentimes this damage is caused by water intrusion or fire or something like that. And that can really create a high level of anxiety of what are we going to do about this? We want our home back the way that it used to be. And that may seem impossible, but that's where my friends at Surf Pro can really step in because their restoration specialists can actually restore your home like it never even happened when it comes to fire damage and water damage and those things that can really do a, wreak havoc on your home, CertPro fixes that stuff for you. They got people who will build it back, you know, fix it back like it never happened. That's what CertPro is famous for. Of course, all of their franchises are independently owned and operated, which means you get folks who understand the importance of kind of family-centered individual, person-to-person -person service. CertPro understands all that kind of stuff. So if you're dealing with some water damage, some some fire damage, uh, reach out today and and let the folks at Surf Pro tell you how they can get it back right for you like it never happened. Find them online today at servepro.com. Now, for those listening radio podcast, that's S-E-R-V-P-R-O, servepro.com, S-E-R-V-P-R-O. Check out servepro.com today. All right, before we're done today's program, I'm going to give you some thoughts on some of the big games happening around college football this weekend. Obviously, Auburn on the road at Penn State. That's an interesting game for Georgia fans because the dogs go to Auburn here in a couple of weeks. And Florida, Alabama, the marquee game in the SEC this weekend. We'll focus in on all of that. We'll do some of the USC coaching rumor stuff before we're done today because that's getting pretty interesting. But for now, on everything else happening around Georgia football, the big offensive showing against UAB, what happens after that against South Carolina on Saturday. Let's talk to a guy who's got such great insight on all of this. Let's speak to the former Georgia wide receiver Terrence Edwards right now here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. And we'll say hello to Terrence Edwards. Always great stuff with uh, Terrence, and uh, great to have him as a part of the program here today after a big offensive showing against UAB last week. And, of course, a lot of Georgia fans curious to see what happens next with all of that. And I guess, Terrence, let me begin with kind of, you know, what is a little bit of a hot topic right now, the health of JT Daniels, the way that Bennett stepped in and played. We'll get into, I guess, the fact that Carson Beck did not get the start. What did you make of the quarterback situation all the way around uh, last week and all the various chatter about it? I think it was kind of a weird. Uh, you know, I think just like everyone else, uh, the reports came out that Carson Beck was going to start and then, uh, you know, sets have been in of started. So it was kind of a, a weird situation. I don't know if that was a smoke screen or 
or bet uh, from, you know, some words on the street that bet kind of got in trouble because he told his coach and his coach put it out. So I don't know what happened, but the outcome is what Georgia wanted and Stetson looked play like Stetson always plays, uh, just a study. Uh, gunslinger that, that makes plays when his opportunity presents itself. So uh, what we're going to do this week, I have no idea. Yeah, it's hard to know from week to week what to expect. Mm-hmm. But in the case of Beck here for a moment, I mean, Terrence, the one thing that I've said is, and listen, I still think that Carson Beck is a pretty impressive prospect for Georgia, and I'm looking forward to seeing more of him as the season progresses. But we're talking about a guy that's in the second game. I'm talking about going back to last week, in the second game of his second year on campus and his first year in 2020 is the weirdest year in college football history. No spring practice and the pandemic and everything that went along there. You know, the idea that somehow – you know, it, it's appropriate to be impatient. I'm not saying that Beck is. Frankly, I think that Beck probably understands all of this. But there were people who were seemingly impatient on his behalf about not already starting a game that quickly. I mean, gosh, look at Mac Jones for Alabama a year ago or how long Joe Burrow waited to finally have start him there at LSU after sitting the bench at Ohio State. I mean, you know, the idea that that good quarterbacks don't have to wait for their moment, the recent history of this sport just tells us that's a lie. You know, I think there were some Georgia fans who frankly expected too much too soon from back. And I think to the extent that the narrative became confusing, I think it was actually the 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 fan narrative that was pushing this in the wrong direction when it comes to back. Do you agree with that or disagree with that? Oh, I agree. I agree totally. Everyone's pass to stardom or playing time is, is very different. Um everybody's not Matthew Stafford who could come in and start right off the bat. Some guys have to wait. You know, look at, you know, Mac Jones, just like you said, Joe Burrow. There's a lot of quarterbacks that just had to wait their turn and just not ready to play yet. I think the fans' uh, perspective get a little uh, anxious because of the star rankings, and they think these guys are automatically ready to go out and lead a team on Saturday. And some of them is, and some some of them aren't. Um, I think the coaches know best. They're there with them. 24-7 24-7 in practice, uh, in meetings. Um, so there's a lot that goes into being a starting quarterback on this level and on any level. Um, so if, if Beck is not ready yet, we, we need to give him his time because we don't want to put him out there when he's not ready, and then we know what happens after that. Yeah, I think that's probably true. On JT Daniels, neither one of us are doctors, so I won't pretend to have medical expertise here, but it does concern me a little bit that you know, this situation for him, you know, caused him to miss the game on Saturday. My assumption is he probably doesn't play this week, although occasionally my assumptions are wrong. That It's not about, hey, you know, is he healthy enough to go out there? For me, as Kirby Smart kind of alluded to during the SEC coaches teleconference yesterday, it's is he pain-free enough to make all the throws that he needs to make? That's really Georgia needs from Daniels. They need the kind of comfort to to really you know let it rip and sling it down the field or or you know put some extra juice on it when you need to go across the middle or whatever else and sometimes pain hinders the ability to do that that I think to me this continues to be a story worth watching because there are moments this year when George's going to need Daniels and it's not that you just have to have him healthy by then I think you also kind of have to have him you know in sync with the offense going into some of those games I just think I think monitoring the situation with Daniels is I think really important and I don't have any reason to believe it's going to turn into something really serious but if your starting quarterback is not starting a game during the regular season that's at least already somewhat serious in my mind oh most definitely uh I think uh Jordan Staff could be really cautious with JT Daniels because I think he is the best quarterback right now on the roster that gives us the best chance to ultimately 
be where we all want to be at the end of the season. That's the national champ. So when you have a, a, a viable backup and a trustworthy backup like Stetson, uh, you can give JT an extra week to just truly get healthy. Uh, so I, I don't, like you said, I don't know what's going on with him. I don't know if there's a reason why we didn't throw the ball uh, as much downfield against Clemson. And we came out throwing it downfield against UAB, two totally different opponents. I get it, but you have to try on, on whoever your opponent is. Uh, so I, hopefully if JT's healthy, uh, I hopefully this is the type of, uh, offense that we see, even if we complete, complete them or not, we're giving our receivers an opportunity to make explosive play. If JT's not ready to go, uh, if he's not 100%, let's get Stetson another week and, uh, let's get JT completely healthy for that the stretch run. Yeah, I think that may be the way this thing works out. You told a great story last week about a personal conversation you had with Jermaine Burton. Burton, who was unhappy with himself after the Clemson game. Well, sounds like he's been, you know, obviously working really hard, got rewarded with a big, huge touchdown at the beginning of the game against UAB. That was fun to see, but it really wasn't just Burton. Uh, Justin Robinson got his first career touchdown. Uh, Arian Smith catches a long touchdown there as well. And I don't know, to me, Terrence, one of the real themes from this past Saturday was a lot of these young receivers, people forget when we saw Burton playing a year ago, but it's still a, you know, a pretty young dude all the way around. A lot of these young receivers who are trying to come into their own in this program, they had nice moments last week against UAB. Obviously, you know a lot of these guys really well. How did you feel about the way that those guys performed, and how nice was it to see a collection of those guys kind of find the end zone last week? I'm going to keep pushing the same person that I've been pushing forever. If you saw my Twitter feed last yeah. week, everybody that frowned and and said, we getting a three-star. Lad McConkley is my guy. Justin scored, Jermaine scored, but Lad is the guy. If you saw him run on that touchdown with Brock, and he the, the, the pass that he caught making a guy miss, now you understand the evaluation of these coaches. And every single player does not have to be rated as a five- or four-star to be a productive player. And Lad is proving that, and I'm going to keep pushing this train that Lad will have a really productive season, even when Kieris come back to 100%. He will have a role, and that's what I've been saying this whole time. He will have a role on this team to help us win games. Yeah, I mean, you know, he has shown the speed. There were some people that I talked to that saw him play during a scrimmage, and, you know, they were talking about how, you know, he really does kind of show off some of what Georgia, I think, thought they had him to begin with, which was that ability to kind of make people miss in short spaces and, you know, almost kind of, you know, playing the game in almost like a phone booth type of thing where it's like, you know, he's hard to tackle. He's, he's going to have that lateral quickness, but he also shows, you know, the ability to show some straight line speed there too. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll admit Terrence that he's showing more athleticism right now in the early stage of his Georgia career than I probably assumed that he was going to bring to the table, at least to this soon. So you were right. You were uh, very much active speaking about this on Twitter. And I also think that your projections about him ha have the look of being true there too. This is a guy who Georgia seemingly found, and um, so far you understand why George was showing interest in him, and frankly I am curious to see him used in the offense more because right now he's got a real uncommon level of athleticism that belies his recruiting ranking, kind of belies his overall size and stature. This is a guy that's just really hard to get hands on, isn't he? Oh, most definitely. I mean, when you've got a guy that can run like that in the slot, you got a guy who can run like Jermaine can run. And uh, the 40-yard times came out last week. I saw somewhere where Justin Robinson was a 4.49 at 220 plus Arian Smith. There's a lot of speed on on the outside. That's what 
Georgia fans have been listening for. Now we just got to give these guys opportunities to show that down-the-field speed that they have. I have a theory about something, and you tell me if this is crazy or not, that for a lot of these young guys, especially the receiver position, that early in your career, it's maybe a little easier to play well at home, that when you're in a place like Charlotte, it's just a little bit more uncomfortable. You think about hostile road environment coming up in a couple of weeks at Auburn, you know, that's going to feel a little bit different. But the best chance to grow is while you're at home because everybody's cheering for you. It's, you know, it's just easy, just an easier game all the way around. I think this is true kind of across the sporting landscape a little bit, but specifically talking about college football here. For a lot of these young guys who are trying to figure out how they fit into a Georgia offense, how important is it for them to have a couple of games at home that give them a chance to do that? Oh, most definitely. I mean, especially when you think about the first game of the season, that was the big game of, of the week. Uh, everyone is watching that 3 3rd uh, against that type of opponent. Then once you come home against UAB, your nerves kind of settle. You know it's not the most hyped game of the year, and you just could be in your comfort zone. And now uh, against South Carolina, the first SEC opponent, um, you got two games up under your belt for these young receivers. Now you know what college football is all about. Um, now you can just go out there and relax and play, and that's probably the biggest difference. I can remember, you know, my very first home game, it, it was it was home, and that helped a lot just knowing that, you know, you in front of your home fans, your family is there, and they're there to root you on. When you go to an opposing stadium they're there to to boo you and you know it, it gets very uncomfortable sometimes so having home games for young receivers definitely helps uh, uh let, me, let me mention one more thing before we let you go here um i don't know that anybody on the georgia roster through two games has been more impressive for me than brock bowers um this is a guy who's targeted a ton during the clemson game you know has big numbers against uab last week and we'd heard lots of things and you know terrence sometimes you hear so much hype about some of these Georgia signees that I have a tendency to just want to kind of want to compartmentalize some of it and kind of assume that some of it's probably a hyperbole. But in the case of Bowers, man, everything I heard about him, and I know you heard a lot of the same things, it all seems to be, you know, very true. This is a real find for Georgia, and there's a lot of athletic, you know, flex-in type players in this Georgia program. But, man, I don't know that Bowers taking a back seat right now to anybody. What have you seen from Brock when it comes to being a reliable target catching the football here? You just said it. he catches the football and he can run. <laughs> Man, that is uh, a, a combination that Georgia fans will, can't wait to see play. I've heard about this kid. I actually evaluate this kid with Justin Tell and watch his film, and I loved him from day one. And what I said about him in high school has definitely come true. Now he's a, a big receiver, just a tight end weight, and he catches the football at a consistent rate and he can outrun a lot of people. So he's de definitely going to be a mismatch. He is a mismatch for a lot of defenders, but especially when you bring Darnell Washington back, uh, that 12 personnel set that is two tight ends is, is going to be a set that we should stay in a lot, just having those two type, those two type guys uh, with the receivers we have. They could, they could block, they could catch. So you really have to determine what personnel defensively you want to get in. And that would be a uh, a issue for defenders trying to cover those two guys at the tight end spot. Yeah, I think that's really true. Terrence, I really appreciate your insight on all of this. And, of course, you know this position, you know, catching the football so well because of your own career, but also training guys in that respect there too. So for folks who want to find out about your wide receiver academy and the work that you're doing with 
you know, up and coming high school players, guys that want to play at the college level, guys who are really signing college scholarships. I'm always happy to see those guys who've been a part of your program who move on to the next level. How can people find out more about that? Oh, you can find me, search me on all social media at Terrence Elwood Wide Receiver Academy. Terrence, really appreciate your time here today. We'll look forward to talking to you soon again as well. Thanks, B.A. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Let me say a couple of things here as we get ready to transition. A lot of folks in the comments section talking about this also being, and we mentioned this on our first and 15. I'll mention this again there as well, that Carlton Madden, a very intriguing prospect out of a very good Atlanta Cedar Grove program, was initially supposed to make his college announcement, I think on Saturday, has now moved that up. So watching that closely for Madden here today, and we'll obviously talk a lot more about that tomorrow on the show if it's good news for UGA. But Madden getting ready to make his choice here today, and folks paying close attention to that. We are monitoring that closely, Dog Nation, all over that, including our buddy Jeff Sintel, who, by the way, will join us tomorrow. And hopefully when Jeff joins us, we get a chance to talk about the possibility of Madden as a UGA commit, maybe furthering those inroads for Georgia there at Cedar Grove. Very impressive program. Very, very loaded program when it comes to talent. So keep your eye on um keep your eye on madden here later on this afternoon he decided to move his decision up it's probably better to do it i mean just to be completely honest with you you know a saturday game day you can kind of get lost a little bit and you know wherever school he chooses whether it's georgia somewhere else you kind of want the full spotlight on your decision it's just easier to get that in the middle of the week here on a thursday you know you know during the week as opposed to on that saturday when a lot of folks are kind of in weekend mode or locked in on whatever their favorite team is doing from a college football standpoint. So Carlton Madden gets ready to make his decision today, moving that up a bit. By the way, speaking of high school football, I mentioned Cedar Grove there a moment ago. Don't forget to join me, my friends at Score Atlanta on Peachtree TV and streaming on CBS 46 here this upcoming weekend. We've got a really good game as Parkview heads its way to Marietta. These are two programs that obviously are no strangers to being on TV. Marietta State Championships a couple of years ago. Of course, you remember Reed Gilbert and and uh, Harrison Bailey and all the great, talented players they had on that team. They are still loaded, and they're going to put on a great show on TV coming up on Friday. Of course, Parkview very much the same way. Also, long history of state championship success for the Parkview program. They got a junior quarterback named Colin Houck, who is really, really uh, on his way to being a rising star, and a good number of receivers who've already earned Division One FBS-level offers, Power 5-level offers, so this is a program that's also steeped in history, loaded with talent, a lot of it young. Really, both of these sides have some 2023s and 2024s that we're going to be talking a lot more about in the uh, time to come. But really good game. Myself, Rusty Manziel on the call, Jeff Sintel, a part of the broadcast there too. Peachtree TV Friday night, CBS 46 if you're streaming it, and you can do that from anywhere. Uh, great game between Marietta and Parkview. Going to be a good one next week, also a really good one there as well. Go ahead and be thinking about uh, Warner Robins and Lee County. That's going to be a really fun game next week there, too. So that's all what's coming up for you as you head towards the uh, this afternoon with Madden, Friday night with high school football. Let's also look ahead to Saturday there as well. Let's do this as part of our BetUS Best Bets. Of course, BetUS, America's most popular favorite sports book. They've been taking care of folks for more than 25 years. They've got a great offer for you, which I'll tell you about coming up in a moment. But let me try to make you a little bit of money before we get to that when it comes to some of these spreads. So Georgia and South Carolina on Saturday, 31 points, obviously a lot of points. Georgia hasn't been favored by more than 30 uh, points in an SEC game since September of 2018. That was a game that they did not cover against Tennessee, a 38-12 winner. They are 
two and six in their last eight games under Kirby Smart when favored by more than 30 points. So a lot of teams don't always fare well with that big of a number. Georgia hasn't particularly fared well either. Think about South Carolina. They're two and three against the spread in Georgia in the five games that Smart has coached against the Gamecocks. That's not a super relevant number because it's a brand new coaching staff. Uh, the 31 points is typically not the kind of thing that I would probably buy into when it comes to Georgia or really any team in this spot. But as I've made the case for this week, I kind of like Georgia to show no mercy on South Carolina, which means pretty big point total there. It probably surprises some of you because I'm such a Gator hater, but I do like Florida to keep it closer against Alabama on Saturday than the 16-point spread would suggest. By the way, watch that line closely at BetUS. There is some movement on that. This is just the third time in the Dan Mullen era that Florida's a point spread underdog at home. In both the previous instances, not only did Florida cover the spread, but they also won outright. I'm talking about uh, a 20, what, a 2018 win uh, against uh, LSU. That was 27-19. A 2019 win, 24-13 against Auburn. Alabama typically pretty good in these spots. 7-1 and one their last eight against the spread when on the road in SEC play while favored at a, at a spread of between 11 and 19 points. They're 7-1 in their last eight under those circumstances, which is a very specific kind of framework there. The only against-the-spread loss over that span was a 31-24 win as a 14-point favorite at Mississippi State in 2017. You guessed it, the, guy, the coach on the other side that day was Dan Mullen, the same guy who coaches here. I realize it's, you know, people think that Alabama just never plays badly, but the truth is around this time, almost every year, they kind of have a little bit of an inexplicable performance, you know, Go back to 2016 in uh, mid-September. They beat Ole Miss, but only by five points, 48-43. Did not play well defensively while doing so. Let's go to 2017 here for a moment. An Alabama team that won the national championship that year, but at home on September 16th, only beat Colorado State 41-23. Kind of slept, walked their way through that game. Let's go to 2018 for a moment. Once again, around that same time of year, you think about, you know, uh, playing a Texas A&M team at home, only win the game 45-23, kind of sleepwalk their way through the game. Go to October 6th, gave up 31 points to an Arkansas team that only won twice all year long. That's the real inexplicable game. Arkansas was terrible, and they moved the football easily against an Alabama team that seemed to be somewhat disinterested once again, kind of around that same time of the year. Go back to 2019 on the road at South Carolina. They do win 47-23. Got some help from the officials for doing so. And for the most part, played a pretty sloppy game. I'd be surprised if Alabama lost. But could they kind of mess around enough to allow Florida to keep it somewhat close? I believe they could. And I actually think there would be a little bit of a moral victory for Florida if they were able to do so. Just send a message they're going to be more competitive in the SECs. I'll quickly run through some of these. I don't really know what to expect from Auburn at Penn State. Penn State's a six-point favorite. You know it's the it's the wideout game. But I think, as I've mentioned earlier already this week, in 16 previous wideouts, Penn State on the field straight up is just 8-8. Eight and eight. So they've lost as many wideout games as they've won here. They've also not been great at home as a uh, favorite as of late under uh, under James Franklin. You're talking about a, a team that's just 3-6 and six in its last nine as a home favorite and lost 35-19 last year to Maryland as a 27.5-point home favorite. Uh, I I think that uh, Tulane could keep it closer against Ole Miss. The Rebels currently favored by 14.5 at home. The over-under is also pretty interesting here. There's a lot of points expected between the Green Wave and the Rebels. Mississippi State won last week as a three-point home underdog. They are now on the road at Memphis as a three-point road favorite. That doesn't make much sense to me. I'll take the Tigers there. The only game 
featuring top 25 opponents outside the SEC this week is Arizona State at BYU. The Cougars are getting four points at home after dominating Utah in the Holy War last week. I like BYU actually again there in that spot. We'll have more on these picks coming up on Go With The Flow, presented by R.S. Andrews and the Dog Nation video channels on Friday. But for now, those are our BetUS best bets. And your best bet for the weekend is you get ready to hopefully get your own action down on some college football games, and hopefully you'll have more winners than than I've had through the first two weeks of the season because so much, uh, so many of you know enough about this kind of stuff that you have the ability to cash in. Well, the best way to cash in is with my friends at BetUS. If you go to the website BetUS.com, if you use the promo code DN125, that's the letter DN, which stands for Dog Nation, DN125, you're actually going to get a 125% sign-up bonus. That means that if you put money in, they're going to put more money than you put in. You're already a winner before you place your first bet. Simply speaking, if you put in $100, they're going to give you another $125. That means you start off with $225 before you place your first wager. That's the way that BetUS takes care of its customers, including those that use the promo code DN125, BetUS.com. Get yourself 125% sign-up bonus. And back here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp, let's turn our attention to another big story that's kind of gotten some uh, chatter in the college football war the last couple of days. It's obviously the USC coaching job. This one doesn't directly impact Georgia. I mean, we talked about uh, the Clay Elton part of this and what it means for guys like Mikhail Williams. And we said on the show a little earlier this week that, honestly, Georgia's probably already in a pretty good spot with, with Williams even before this. It probably helps, and Georgia will take all the help that it can get. But Williams had already told Dog Nation going back to August that Georgia was still a factor in his recruitment. But there's obviously a lot of intrigue and interest about where the 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 rumor mill stands and all this kind of stuff. One of the most high-profile jobs in college football. I love coaching rumors. They typically don't start till the winter. December, January is when we usually get the most of these. We're getting them right now in September, which I'm not mad about. I enjoy that. And yet a couple of high-profile coaches that had to speak directly to this here this week. Let me let you hear Urban Meyer, fresh off his first game as head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. It did not go well, and a lot of folks wonder, well, does that mean he's looking to jump ship and bolt to L.A. and go be the USC coach? He was asked about it directly. Take a listen to this. Unfortunately for you, some rumors came out yesterday connecting you to the USC job. I just, just want to give you the opportunity to refute it so that you can put it to bed. No chance. So Meyer says no chance. I don't take him in his word on that. And I'm not saying he's getting the USC job, but I think that Meyer's probably finding life in the NFL pretty uncomfortable right now. So, and also this is not a guy who has a history of telling the unfettered truth on every topic all the time. So, you know, Meyer's integrity, I don't think it necessarily speaks well of him in situations like this, but he did shoot this rumor down. There's also Dan Patrick who, listen, I love Dan. I grew up watching Dan on SportsCenter. Uh, truly one of the more inter- entertaining sports personalities of my lifetime yet he is notoriously wrong about everything he literally may be the wrongest person on the internet when it comes to Jason Witten getting the Tennessee job or remember the Georgia thing about what was he said about Georgia about that Georgia's gonna have this NCAA issue show up that that Georgia was nervous because the NCAA was snooping around Jeremy Pruitt I mean he's been embarrassingly wrong about so much so take this with a grain of salt but he has it on good authority that Penn State's James Franklin, ahead of a big matchup against Auburn, that he is not only being pursued by USC, he's doing some pursuing on his own. This is Dan Patrick talking about James Franklin. There is mutual interest, USC, and a current college coach. In fact, this coach was asked about the USC vacancy rumors yesterday, 
His name is James Franklin at Penn State. As you guys know, I can't stand in any form of distraction. Um, so I'll discuss this today with the leadership council so that we can make sure that all of our energy and uh, our, all of our energy is on our preparation for Auburn. That's a non-denial denial. James Franklin didn't even give a fake no. You got to give that. You know, I'm totally focused on the team. I'm not, I don't care about coaching rumors. So I'm kind of weird in that even when I'm pretty sure a rumor isn't true, I'm still kind of entertained by the rumor, and I don't think James Franklin, frankly, I don't think he's had enough success as of late to be the top candidate for a place like USC, although I think the USC job is also diminished in stature from where it would have been five years ago. And as I said before, Patrick saying it is enough for me not to believe it because Patrick is wrong literally about everything. But even a rumor that's not true is still kind of somewhat entertaining to me. And so listening to James Franklin have to shoot this down and listening to Patrick and his, you know, Mary Bannon minions kind of stirring the pot there. I'm kind of entertained by all of that. Urban Meyer, you know, having to shoot it down, too. I'm pretty entertained by that there as well. By the way, speaking of football, there is football back tonight. Nothing goes better with the football than pizza. And no pizza tastes better than what Marco's Pizza provides for you there as well. I'm talking about high-quality pizza, known for its dough, made from scratch, craveable golden crust, three melty cheeses on top. Look at that. Old-world toppings. Boy, you just if you're watching a video, you see how delicious it looks. And the savings are uh, delicious as well. I've got a large one-topping pizza right now for just $9.99. $9.99 for that. That's good deals. You can order Marco's at Marco's.com for more details on that. Marco's, pizza lovers, get it. And I hope you'll get yourself some as we head towards the weekend there as well. So one of the themes this week has been my belief that Georgia is going to in the spirit of Cobra Kai, strike hard, strike fast, no mercy, sir, when it comes to South Carolina on Saturday. And there's a lot of little reasons why I feel that way. Well, as we transition to our Gator Hater Roll Call and we give out a golden shoe winner for today, the idea of Kirby Smart as kind of the leader of the Cobra Kai dojo is starting to take off here a bit. Our buddy Mad Dog using his prodigious Photoshop skills to good use on this. He gives you the strike first, strike hard, no mercy. Kirby Smart kind of giving you the... Is that a roundhouse kick? Is that what that's called? When you get up high like that on the SEC uh, bat heavy bag there? Uh, Mad Dog says, according to Dog Nation Daily, this should be Georgia's new motto. And then on Saturday, it works pretty well. Good stuff from by Mad Dog. You are a golden shoe winner for today. Very, very entertaining at it. How about Gatorator Countdown? 44 days from right now. Dogs beat up on floor. We'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Merriweather and Tharp. And on the podcast, I'm now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. Of course, we'll take your comments. You can send me your tweets at Dog Nation Daily or go to dognation.com when we post the show each and every day, and you can share your thoughts right in there. I want to read from Mark Gelbert here, who says that uh, when it comes to Stetson Bennett, the lower back injury that Smart revealed for him yesterday, he said he should be able to get over that in a few days. I can't believe sore stomach muscles kept Daniels out of last week's game. I just think it's important to note on some of this kind of stuff it's not about the kind of injury where you can't play. For instance, like if you're talking about like an ACL sprain, right? Like you literally can't play. Like you can't, you can't be out there at that point in time or an ACL tear. You know, it, there are certain injuries that render playing impossible. There are other kinds of injuries that render playing more difficult. And at the quarterback position, it comes down to not the kind of injury that means you can't be on the football field necessarily. As Mike Griffith said that, you know, there are people maybe close to Daniels who said he could have played. But all that is just end up being, you know, of little value to me in terms of the overall semantic deal of if you are in so much pain that you can't deliver the football the same way that you otherwise would, that's a problem. And 
We've talked about this now a couple of times. We, we said this about the wide receiver spot, that if you assume that the starter is the A-level player and the backup is the B-level player, if you have a starter at 85%, I'm just picking a statistic out of thin air here, but if you have a starter at 85% of his of his you know perfect health, then the fully healthy B player, the fully healthy backup, is probably more valuable than the 85% healthy starter at that point in time because it's not enough to say you're healthy enough to be on the field. It comes down to are you healthy enough to make all the throws? You know, Can you do it pain-free? The issue with the oblique is about the limitation of the kind of torque you need to to you know create that, and that's why I'm concerned about the Daniels thing. It has my attention. It's worth paying attention to. I'll, I'll use the same statement I've used a couple of times. This is not the NBA. This is not load management. This is not a no big deal thing that Daniels is not starting. Uh, did not start Georgia's second game of the year. May not start Georgia's third. This is a pretty significant deal. After Saturday, Georgia will play 25% of its regular season, and Daniels, if I'm guessing correctly, will have missed two of those three games and you know, didn't get a chance to show the full breadth of his skill set against Clemson for maybe a number of different reasons. Like You want more from Daniels than that. You want him to be really in sync with the rest of his offense by the games that matter most for Georgia. That comes in October, where the Arkansas game looks tougher because Arkansas beat Texas. The Auburn game may look tougher, depending on what Auburn does in its next couple of big games at Penn State this week, coming up at LSU shortly after that before it plays UGA. If Florida plays Alabama closer on Saturday than the two-touchdown spread would suggest, all of a sudden now you're thinking about October 30th maybe being a little bit of a challenge for UGA. These are all games which you want your best quarterback, which is JT Daniels, but not only do you want him on the field, you want him rested enough, healthy enough that he's capable of making all the throws. And if possible, you want that to have happened soon enough that that he also got a chance to kind of get back in rhythm with everybody. You know, it's just really hard to just sort of flip a switch in college football and magically say, okay, well now Kyrus Jackson's healthy and Darnell Washington's healthy and Dominic Blaylock may even be healthy and JT Daniels is healthy and all these guys are going to go out the field and they're just going to magically you know, play well together. That's a little bit fantasy football, right? I mean, fantasy football, team chemistry doesn't matter. But in real football, guys having some time to play with each other so they can get the best of each other, there's a little bit to that. So until that starts happening for Georgia, then it's going to have my attention. I'm not telling you you ought to be super worried about it, but you ought to notice it, you ought to pay attention to it. And everything that Smart says about this quarterback situation, I think you ought to be leaning in on around here. That's what we're at least trying to do. So I appreciate your chatter on all of this and your thoughts always uh, matter to me. So hit me up on Twitter at DogNationDaily for more on that or in the comment section at DogNation.com. And check out R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. They'll show up on time. They'll do the work that's promised for the price that's promised. They can get your air conditioning unit tuned back up. You know that tired system that you know is on its last legs? Well, R.S. Andrews can breathe new life into it. They can get it tuned back up to factory fresh specs. Find them online at rsandrews.com. And that AC tune-up will only cost you 99 bucks. So, We'll see you back here tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp, and our podcast, Cooldown, presented by R.S. Sanders. We'll look forward to talking to you then.